The Response Source Journalist Inquiry Service connects you, the journalist, with PRs and organisations to secure expert comment, case studies and information for independent editorial, free of charge. Response Source puts you in touch with experts and PR contacts across all sectors, saving you hours of research and helping you meet your deadlines. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. And I'm Lily Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. This is the final episode of Series 4. Where on earth did that time go? I know, it's gone so quickly. Oh, it's like everything, isn't it? It just goes by in a flash. But we do have um, our bonus dual cast episode out next week um, with our friends over at Northern Natter and luckily we've got series five um, pretty much planned out now actually so we're not going to be away for long we seem to be coming up with uh, a new episode every week although some of them are more controversial than others shall we say I know but series series five the episode list is currently longer than series five will be so I would say we're pretty much sorted for the year I think. We're never short of things to talk about in the world of freelance journalism. No, definitely. And um, in our little break, we'll also be doing our lunchtime webinars and running the Journalism Work Experience Initiative. Um, We're working on doing a lot more uh, interviews and advice in our newsletter as well, after feedback that that's the part of the newsletter that you all liked. Um, And behind the scenes, we're working on some mini guides, which we hope will be ready soon. Yeah, so lots going on, but let's get on to our topic this week. This is one of our demystifying episodes, and last time we looked at LinkedIn. But today we're going to be getting into TikTok, what it is, how to use it, and why journalists need to know about it, and how they can get the best out of it. Yeah, so if you're like me and you have a general idea of what TikTok is, but that's about it, here's our quick explainer. So, social media platform that uses short video content. Owned by a Chinese company and was launched outside China in 2017, the short videos which are created and edited in the app, and I have to confess, it was a really long time before I realised that in TikTok you edit in the app, Um. They often feature music in the background, can be sped up, slowed down or edited with a filter. As with other social media platforms, um, AI technology is used to suggest the type of videos that the app thinks you're going to be interested in. Last year, um, it was in the news a lot. There was a lot of controversy as President Trump threatened to ban the platform. Um, Apparently, when I looked at the figures, 11 million of us in the UK have um, an account, although I think there's a lot um, fewer active users. Worldwide, there are apparently 800 million active users, according to one stat that I saw. Um, I tend to think of TikToks as being about funny videos or memes and weird little dances, but I have to be honest, I haven't explored it much at all, especially from a journalism point of view. Um, Lily, tell me about your experience of TikTok, (laughs) if there is any. (laughs) Well, I'd realised the other day that I was actually... um, looking at TikTok videos but it was via Instagram and I was basically just watching cat videos because everybody loves a cat on the internet um so yeah I kind of come across stuff but it's normally through other social media platforms I signed up a few weeks ago in preparation for this podcast and I will be honest I haven't actually looked at it since 
Um, I'm old. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, and I may have to eat my hat on this, but I suspect it's going to be short-lived. Like, do we remember MySpace? And even Snapchat. Does anyone actually use Snapchat anymore? So, uh, yeah, I must say I'm a bit of a sceptic on this one, but I am looking forward to finding out more about what the benefits are. Yes, I mean, I signed up to TikTok as well in honour of this episode, but I'm still none the wiser um, or, you know, how best to use it or make use of it. So we're definitely in usually we would be getting into our top tips first, but I don't think that's the best (laughs) approach this time because it's obviously we're the ones that need to learn everything there is to know here. So I think we need to head uh, straight to our guests who can hopefully explain um, all of this to us. Yes, definitely. So today we have with us Neve Gordon-Farley. Hi, Neve. Hi. So Neve is a freelance journalist and podcaster. She's written for a number of websites, including The Independent, Empowered, and she also has her own podcast, Unconventional, which challenges the stigma surrounding not going to university. She is well-versed in TikTok, where she is Neve the journalist, and she is also TikTok producer and content creator for Journo Resources. Uh, we also have with us Gavin Allen. Hi, Gavin. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks. Gavin is the digital journalism lecturer at Cardiff University School of Journalism, Media and Culture. He has been a journalist for 20 years, uh, latterly as associate editor of mirror.co.uk, and has previously worked for Microsoft, MSN UK and Mail Online after 10 years in regional journalism. And Gavin's going to talk to us today about uh, how he started to use TikTok uh, with his uh, master's students. So Neve, we're going to come to you first and we're dying to get your advice on this. this, is our expert TikToker. But first, could you give us your top tip, maybe for someone who hasn't used TikTok before, what's kind of the key thing they need to know? Oh, I think, oh, I kind of have two, but they do go together quite well. Um, I think if you've never used TikTok before, um, if you want to create videos, it's about being authentic, creating videos that you're really passionate about, that you enjoy. But also then what comes with that is, I think we're a generation of people that want instant gratification. So I always say to people, don't get too bogged down on the views because things can go viral on TikTok whenever. You know, you could post something, you know, I could post something today, but it won't it might not go viral till like a month later. So kind of don't get too bogged down on numbers, but then also kind of create content that you enjoy and look at your analytics. You know, what is it that you're making that other people are enjoying? What are people engaging with? So yeah, I think make really good content that you enjoy, but don't get too bogged down because sometimes we want things to get thousands of views and they just don't. That is a good that is a good probably in general for social media that's good advice and Gavin how about you what's your top tip if you're venturing into TikTok for the first time uh top tip for first timers is just to be to get on there and and use it I mean look at what people are doing because you need to use a platform in the way that its audience use it so there's no point in you bringing some kind of like heavyweight intellectual debate to TikTok for radio for listeners because that's not the platform and that's not the thing that they're doing so First of all, just kind of familiarise yourself with the type of content, the type of audience and the areas where you can work and then plan out your content. Think about what you're going to do, um, storyboard even, you know, script. So just make sure that you're prepared. So the content that you produce is kind of slick um, and then hopefully you'll fit into the platform. And, it, and it, it, you'll stand out for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. 
Neve, one thing I've always wondered is, we're kind of talking about putting content out there, but how do you actually use TikTok as a journalist? Can you give us some examples of like how you would use it in a journalistic way? So I use TikTok for two completely different reasons. So one of them is to be a content creator. Um, There are so many skills you can learn for journalism from doing it. So some of the work that we do at Journal Resources is that we... Well, I will take a article that we have pre-existing on the website and then make that into a short form video. So to be able to condense, you know, something that's under a thousand words into a 60 second video, you know, you've got to have the key points. You've got to understand what you're trying to say to the audience and actually what a younger audience and demographic on TikTok can take away from that. So there's a lot of skills you can learn for journalism, but also you know, some of the ways as well, you can be relatable to other journalists on there, you know, the very small journalism community that is ever growing. I love finding more journalists on TikTok, but also, you know, you can find story ideas and you can really understand what young people are interested in and the types of things that they're talking about. You know, journalism, we're always told story ideas, what people talking about. Well, TikTok is one of the best places to find that because it's, you know, it's relatable content, it's things that people are really engaging with. So yeah, there's loads of different ways you can use it. I mean, at the minute, I am trying to find the balance between being informative, but also being able to make more fun videos that people can engage with and people can understand because each video on TikTok stands alone. You know, you've got to really have something where someone's going to want to then click on your profile. So I could talk about, I don't know, some something that's gone on in the news today, but is anyone going to be interested in that? Well, people that like journalism might be. So it's about being able to make really kind of strong, engaging content, but also then trying to find the balance of using that as a journalist and bringing those skills in as well. Gavin, this is something that I think it was your MA students that you um, encouraged to use last year. Uh, Can you sort of talk about why you felt this was an important skill for them to sort of learn and develop? Uh, well, one word really, which is employability. Um, I was talking to, for another article, I was talking to a senior BBC editor this week. Um, and so I, because I was coming on here with you guys, I, I, I thought that I would ask them about TikTok as well. And bearing in mind, this is, you know, there's a guy called Russell Smith, who's the head of digital publishing at the BBC. And his quote was, we've got to reach younger audiences. So you've got to go to where they are and encourage them to come back to you. So TikTok is an obvious place where we might want to do that. So editors are looking for younger readers and how to engage this next generation of, of news consumers, if, if you want to term it that way, like readers or, you know, um, just people, I guess. Um, but there's, you know, there's this, this all sort of dying demographic of people who read newspapers. There's the guys who read uh, online stuff now. But then younger audiences are engaging with news in different ways on different platforms and to carry those through and to keep them interacting with current news products, what you might term legacy media brands in some ways. You need to understand where that audience is, where that age group is. And, you know, TikTok is is really good at interacting with that 16 to 24 age group. And that's the really sort of sought after audience demographic. Uh, so on the one hand, it's employability. If editors understand that you can work on that platform, then they're going to be impressed because ultimately they don't know how to do it they're employing people who understand the platforms and the technology to make them work. There's an element of um, sort of the shiny new thing about it. It's the new platform. 
people are wondering what the possibilities are, how to use it for journalism, whether it will be any good, is it a flash in the pan, is it not? And there's a balance to be struck between, well, do we look at using TikTok immediately or is that going to be wasted time? Do we just wait until we see if TikTok establishes a foothold in the industry and then we come to it? Part of the problem with that is that if you're a late adopter on social, you'll tend to stick out for the wrong reasons. You won't be part of the community and you look like you're trying to sort of, you know, invade that space with content that realistically the, the audience doesn't want. So I think that you need to be native to those platforms in a way. And I always try to teach my students to have a, a, an early adopter attitude, get in there on the ground floor, understand it, figure out what it can do for you, and what it can't do for you. But ultimately, your, you know, young people are the generation who are news, news editors are trying to, to, to attract. So if you can understand these platforms and work with them, then editors are going to feel that you have an extra employability aspect to you. Yeah, I mean, that raises a really good point that I was going to bring up um, with you, Neve, actually, about because I don't think I fully got my head around, like, I understand TikTok, but I don't think I fully understand um, how journalism works with TikTok, mm. or how to make use of that as a journalist. I wondered, because you've tried, you mentioned you've, like, tried and experimented with lots of different approaches. Are there things that you found that work particularly well or conversely don't work? Um you know, when using TikTok as a journalist? Yeah, there are, and actually I think I can come at this from the point of a user as well, because when I see videos that come up on my For You page or that pe from people that I'm following, videos that have loads of text on them never do well, because, you know, you've got a 60 second video. If it takes you longer to read the text than the amount of time it does to play the video, I'm not going to read it. You know, why, why would I, when I'm scrolling, then want to pause a video to have to read, to then have to watch another couple of seconds, have to pause it again? So things with lots of text don't do very well on TikTok. But then I think, I mean, we want the news to be accessible and TikTok is really great for stuff like that. But then, you know, I, I like using the app for like downtime. It's, I go on TikTok, it's the last thing I do before I go to bed. It's the first thing I pick up in the morning which sounds so gen z and but it's what i do that's how i use it so you know at 11 o'clock at night do i really want to be seeing something about boris johnson and all of like different news headlines on it do i want to see something about the covid vaccines or do i want to see something that's really hard hitting and pressing on there no so relatable content does really well um trends always do really well but then you've got to strike the balance between you know as a user how many videos can you do that are just following the trends? I don't like that my page is always trends. So it's about being able to introduce like really original content and, um, and to be able to find things that, you know, I think some of the things that does really well, I'm doing a series at the minute, which is about um, analyzing fictional journalists. So, you know, Bridget Jones, and um, I've got a video that will be on my page about Ugly Betty, Devil Wears Prada. They're things that people can relate to, even if they're not a journalist, because they've probably seen the film. So it's about being informative, but also being able to say that, you know, somebody who, you know, one of my friends who's not interested in journalism, they can find it engaging. And I think that's what that's the general thing of journalism. We want the news to be accessible. We want what we're doing to resonate with different audiences and for someone to say, oh, I understand that. And they don't have to be in that circle of exactly what you're doing. 
Yeah, I saw your Bridget Jones one and I thought it was such a clever idea, actually, because it's about the kind of looking at how do journalists actually work and what's realistic. Um, I mean, is there something there that's more about showcasing kind of journalism and journalists and the process um, and their skills rather than the story per se? Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the videos I love watching on TikTok are from journalists who work at like the BBC. And so, so I think there are, there is room for the more kind of things that you can put on your CV, things that, you know, how to, what's the word, um, how to be more employable. And, you know, there is, people do want to see the behind the scenes at the BBC. They want to see into the gallery. They want to see the kind of things that we don't normally see as a journal you know as someone who's not in the journalism industry so I think yeah there's there is there's room for everything because it's a growing app and because there will always be someone who's watching it who will want to enjoy it like I've never put up a video and it's got no views I think there's room for everything and because it's growing it's about thinking what's the future of journalism people always say to me what's the future of journalism on TikTok so I'm like, well, what do you think it is? And I'm like, well, that's the content you need to be creating. Like, that's what I want to see. If you think that's the future, go and go and make it because there will be someone who will resonate and find what you're doing relatable and interesting. Yeah, and that's a really good point about it being used to showcase your skills and your creativity and having those digital skills that set you apart and Gavin if we can bring you back in here because I think you've got an example haven't you of a student who used TikTok as a showreel yeah um one of our students called Fionn Clark from uh last year so academic in 1920 um we we were working with TikTok quite a lot in that year um for the reasons that I outlined above um Fionn at the end of the course was looking for a job like like some of our journalists end up doing and uh, our employability rate is very high um, but Fionn came up with like a really cool idea, which was to do a sort of a TikTok showreel CV. And she just sort of did a, a, you know, almost a camera piece with graphics in the background. Um, and it worked really well. She, she got a job as a result of that. Um, she's now working for a company called Crowd Network, which do audio on demand. And uh, again, because I was coming on here to talk to you, I gave Fionn a, a call and sort of said to her, you know, tell me a little bit about it. Uh, and she said that it was a really quick and easy way to do something a bit creative and fun to show off skills to employers. My boss said the reason they liked it was because it showed initiative and ability to think outside the box. So I definitely recommend it to other journalists. It's quick and easy to use. Uh, you can follow trends. Um, and I use it a lot in my spare time. It's definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. So she, she literally, she makes this because I'm saying to her, look, I think journalists and editors will find this interesting. She uses it as, you know, what what we hope would work with it. And, it, and there's a result from it. It's like, you know, it's like one shot, one score. It was it was amazing. Um, and it was really creative from her. It was a different approach to people. And even though where she works now, they don't really use TikTok a great deal in her work. It was the fact that she was kind of in command of those digital skills that attracted the employers to her. Yeah, and that's a really important point, isn't it, about showing initiative and with these new platforms that you, you've got the scope to do that, haven't you? You can be the pioneers and, and, and the creators on there. Um, I think that's a really important point, actually, that Neve was making. Um, 
and, and Neve, I think what Neve is doing at the moment, particularly with those uh, behind the scenes of real uh, of TV journalists, I think that's a really sharp thing to do. She knows what her content is. She's delivering it on a new platform in a really engaging way. I thought that, I think those are excellent things to look at and very canny. But the other point she makes is that this is an expanding space. It's not a finite set of rules for people. So one of the things I'm trying to get our students to engage with is the fact that they can shape what the news interaction is on, on TikTok. Because right now there isn't really a set format for that. It's not a set pattern. We're in a position where we can experiment and drive innovation without there being risks attached. Because I think a lot of the time in, in industry, someone says, I know what works on Twitter, so do that. We're not in that space with TikTok right now. So we have the, ex we have the um, space to play uh, and play creatively. And I think that's really important because it's not didactic, but this generation of journalists who are engaging with it now will be people who drive what the news interaction with TikTok is. And I think that's a really exciting thing for people to be involved with. And Gavin, what, what sort of other things during the course were students creating TikToks about? So when we started using them on TikTok, uh, it, it would have been a year ago now because the first series of TikToks we did were relating to this thing that people were vaguely talking about, which was coronavirus. And I remember the first one that uh, one of our social media editors did was uh, in relation to handshakes. So there was a lot in the news at the moment about should you shake hands, should you not? Boris Johnson was in hospitals shaking hands. We were being told not to shake hands. So we had two students who sort of scripted this little skit. They come together, they go to shake hands, they realize they can't, they go to touch elbows, then they don't, and then they do this little sort of, you know, pat a cake dance and tap their feet. And it was just, it was silly and it was fun set to music. But it was playing into that idea that people didn't know whether they should shake hands or not. So it's, it's about the news story, it's tangential to the news story, and it was entertainment in a way. So it's, it's about that branding awareness, like we, you know, you're talking about the news, but it's not that. You don't have to be into the news to watch that and understand it and get it. So I thought some of that early work that they did was really sharp. Um, and so that, that what, what's the MO for news on TikTok, I think, is, is the way that Neve talked about it, actually, is, is thinking about how you can deliver that news in a relatable way for the audience that you're going for. Yeah, kind of making it accessible to people mm. who don't just consume news in the way that you or I might. If you, if you think about what, what does a social media platform do for you as a journalist? I'd split them into kind of two categories and there's the uh, Twitter and Facebook, which you can you know, post a link and it will drive traffic back to your website. That's a very practical usage. Then you've got Instagram, which you, know, you can't really, other than link in bio, um, put links there. So you can't really drive traffic back to your website. So that becomes a branding exercise. And that's where TikTok is. TikTok is a branding exercise in some ways. You're showing people what you do and who you are um, and just raising awareness of your brand. And so, uh, understand what TikTok is for and what it can do for you and use it in the right way. And I think I think you'll enjoy it. Which actually is kind of a good um, point to make for freelance journalists because freelancing is quite often be about your brand. You are a brand and you're having to kind of promote yourself as such. Neve, do you think that it's something that um, could be quite useful for freelance journalists to make, to make use of? Yeah, I think, I mean, my job for journal resources is freelance. Um, I never expected that my first ever job was going to be a freelance journalism job. Um, but I think 
it allows you to make a variety of content you know I know that with what I do at Journal Resources there is a process with the videos that we make and the ideas that we have and the content but when you're kind of on your own like this is your space and it's what you make of it it you know you post videos that you want to make and that will ultimately help you I love my CV I have my TikTok linked I have a little TikTok icon and it's linked you know and I think that freelancers can definitely use it because as well that's interesting I knew nothing about freelance before I became a freelancer I didn't know anything about it um and if you've got the time I know that sometimes being freelance like you don't have the time to do it but if you've got the time and there's things and there's skills and ideas that you have that you want to share some of my early videos you know I came into the journalism industry last May didn't you know that was the first time that I started writing and really like making content and stuff um you know I didn't really know too much about the industry but I was getting advice from journalists you know that whole summer I was ringing journalists and having conversations and I felt like there was knowledge that I had that I could give to people and even that was such a basic very low level you know I didn't know anything about it so I think if you're a freelancer and you've got this knowledge and this wisdom and things that you want to share with people TikTok is really great for that but it is one of those things where um you just have to find the right balance between kind of what you're doing and, and really understanding the app and that's how by going on the app I know loads of people are like I don't want to go on the app because I'll spend hours on it that is exactly how you kind of learn the app you wouldn't pitch to a publication without reading the stuff that they do so why would you make TikTok content without understanding how to use it as an user can see you clapping there gavin <laughs> yeah clapping on mute yeah that's, that's just that's the right answer you know it's it's you've got to know what what it is before you try and use it otherwise you're just going to look like you don't know what you're doing in which case you're not going to engage this is what it's about it's about engagement so mm. don't come to somebody's house and do something in their house that they don't want you doing in their house and that's what this is and Neve, you mentioned there about time, and mm. that's something I wanted to ask about. I mean, how long does it actually take to create a video? I mean, I have no clue. Well, um, so because I'm on a freelance contract with Jenna Resources, I have a set number of hours. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll pick one day a week, and normally it's a Wednesday, and the morning is spent making content for my personal account and then the afternoon is normally spent doing content for journal resources account so that can be anywhere between kind of starting at about 10 11 a.m and then not really finishing till four but I have a ring light now so it means that I can kind of film in the evenings um, but some videos ones that you kind of want to put a lot of editing in um, can sometimes take me like an hour and a half to film put together edit um others i think our our most viewed video on the journey resources account um it sits at just under five thousand views and it was tell me you're a journalist without telling me you're a journalist it took me under five minutes to film and it is our most viewed video on our account that's what's really annoying about the algorithm but um the thing is it is time consuming i'm not gonna lie you know but if you're enjoying what you're doing then it does just feel like, oh, I'm Neve and I'm, I just make TikToks in my bedroom. Like It does bring that kind of more novelty element to it. But it does take time. But if you're willing to put the time in and watch your account grow, because 
yeah it takes a lot of time to make them um and there's loads of people on tiktok that will tell you to increase your engagement you need to be um posting 21 videos a week which if they each take an hour or an hour and a half to make we're up to 21 hours a week on just tiktok and if you do that you know that's then i don't want to bring in the writing for free debate and the working for free debate but that's a lot of hours spent on tiktok um so it is time consuming but if you want engagement and you want the growth and you want to be making content that you're proud of then I think yeah it's time consuming but as long as you enjoy it that kind of outweighs it a little bit yeah, yeah and I guess you must must get quicker over time as well I guess when you're you're first sussing it out it's going to take longer isn't it like with anything when you know what you're doing it's not too bad um but like there was there's some videos I've done before that require an outfit change so that's sometimes like a two hour long process of me filming like a 30 second clip or something and then having to take a you know whip that outfit off put a new one on film another like five second clip then change to another outfit um but I always find the pieces where I have to talk to camera take a really long time. So I filmed something the other day. I literally needed a 45-second talking clip. It took me an hour just to get, like, a piece to camera that I was really proud of. Um, so, yeah. While we're on the practical side of things, because I'm very interested in this, have you got any other kind of technical advice for making a good TikTok? Um don't put too much pressure on yourself so you know YouTube is where the really good kind of iMovie Final Cut Pro like really good edited videos are you know that's not what does as well on TikTok because if the content isn't there I'm not going to watch it it could be a video about football and they could have these really fancy shots and everything I'm not interested in football I don't want to watch it so practically be able to make sure that your content is really strong and you do that by the things that you're passionate about journalism we write about the experiences that we're passionate about and the experiences that we have and have gained and that you know that's an easier piece to write for us because we know more about it um I have a ring light that was what I put on my Christmas list last year was a ring light um it's just a very cheap one from Amazon so I'd say always have like some good lighting because if the person that's watching it can't see you they're not going to watch it um and I think just go for the content because it could be edited and could look beautiful but if what you're saying is a load of drivel I'm I'm going to turn that straight off so yeah practically a ring I'd say a ring light that's got a little tripod in is always really helpful um and just make sure that your content's really strong and if you're you have doubts about your content screen record your video and send it to one of your friends you know send it to someone who doesn't do journalism and someone who does and see what they think about it so I don't think there's too many practicalities because the joy of the app is that you don't have to have a beautifully finished perfected polished video because that's not what drives the app yeah and we've talked about promotion um Gavin were any of your students using TikTok to find stories uh, in the first place? Uh, I think that if you're going to find stories, you want to be looking in the places where there are most people. And right now, if you're searching for stories on social, I would say that TikTok is a smaller community in the UK. 
particularly in our patch at Cardiff um, in Jomek, in, in Wales and South Wales. So there are definitely stories here and we and, and ourselves and regional publications uh, like Wales Online have, have covered TikTok stars or TikTok virals or the TikToks like Welsh TikTok. Welsh people on TikTok doing Welsh things is a, is a niche, you know, um, but these things do get covered. So you'll always find a TikTok of someone falling over in the middle of a dance and it'll be a, a funny viral. But the thing I think is interesting about sourcing stories on TikTok is you will see what that demographic is talking about. If you're wanting to cover news for people in their teens and up to their early 20s, what are they talking about? What are they interested in? Well, you'll see that in that space. That's where they're living and working, if you know what I mean. So I think that it's probably better for finding topic inspiration or subject inspiration rather than finding a specific story, as it were. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess it's like with all these things, it's knowing the demographic and, and like you say, being able to spot these trends. I just actually wanted to go back to something Neve said earlier on about um, there being a small community of journalists on TikTok. And I just wonder, like, how do you actually find journalists? Like, is there a technique to, like finding people or subsections of people? Um. I mean, I have a lot on my For You page now because a lot of the content I try and engage with is other journalists. Um, and your For You page is driven by what the app thinks you want to see. So it's not necessarily, you know, what you are really interested in, but they kind of generate the types of things that you might want to see and that you should be seeing. Um, I have a lot of like student journalists that follow me. So that's kind of how I've found other people. But I was, I, I can't, I found the first journalist I think I found on the app was Abby Dewhurst. Um, and I'm now quite friendly with Abby Dewhurst. She's given me a lot of advice over like the last couple of months. And um, she's a weather presenter for BBC Look North. And um, someone had sent me her TikTok because she hadn't gone to university and they were like, oh, you should really speak to her. So then I was kind of engaging with Abby's content and then the For You page was driving other people who were creating content. So then it's people like um, Marcella Whittingdale, who is also a BBC journalist. And then I think the more you're engaging with journalists, the more that they're going to pop up. But you have it is really difficult to find them. But I think if you are seen as someone I don't want to say I don't want to like big myself up here, but I think if you're seen as like a figure on the app making that kind of content those people will come to you in a really odd way because they will want to engage with the journalism content you're making so sometimes it's about you know you can have a look on the hashtags you know hashtag journalism hashtag journalists and you'll find people but also if you're being seen to make really good content because I don't look at what other journalists are making anymore when I first started I was you know, I would look at their content and think, okay, so what can I do? I don't do that anymore. I think about what content can I make that other journalists are going to enjoy? And then that's how I've found more people. But there are definitely journalists on TikTok who work at the bigger organisations. And there are lots of like student journalists who are making some really good content, but you've just got to find them. Lily, what I want to know now is, are you inspired? Are we going to end up bit. as freelancing for journalists on TikTok? Well, do you know what? I'm thinking we should just commission Neve. Well, yeah, because we've <laughs> only just got onto Instagram. I mean, <laughs> we're a bit behind the times. Maybe Neve is now going to get her second um, freelance job helping people. That's fine with me. 
I am curious, but it's it's time, isn't it? When you know, we did the LinkedIn episode, and I went in and did all my LinkedIn stuff and started posting, and then that's kind of gone the wayside a bit now. And I think you sometimes have to be selective, don't you? And just say these are the two or three social media that I personally am gonna use as a freelance and engage in the most. And I think it will be generational. You know, it it will change. So. Yeah, it's a balancing act between time, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, shall we move on to our dilemma of the week? Yes. So this is a section of the podcast where we put your questions to our guests and fix a problem you've been having or just give our thoughts on something you've been pondering. So the question this week is um, something that does get asked quite a lot, but it was something that came up for me fairly recently. So I wanted to put it to everybody. Should you ever agree to copy approval? Um, yeah. So in my, in my circumstance, it was an organisation who wanted to see um, the quotes of an article that I was writing for a trade publication. And I'd kind of repeatedly said no. Um, I mean, they had PR or, you know, they had press officers on the Zoom call that we're doing. Everybody knew what had happened in the conversation. Um, but they kept asking so much that I went to the editor because I thought maybe I'm misjudging this. Maybe this is something that this particular publication would do just to kind of double check. And they were like, no. So it just made me kind of think of the question. Lily, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think in like 90% of cases, I would say no. Um and certainly when I was a staff journalist, it was a blanket, like, no, you don't give copy approval, That you know, we are not working in PR, you know, this is journalism. Um, as a freelance, um, again, I think if you're ever unsure, I would always advise speaking to the editor and just finding what their policy is. Um, and then you can always go back to the person and say, this is the policy of the organisation. So you're kind of removing yourself from kind of making that decision um you know i i do write for some sections that will do readbacks so they don't send the person the copy but they will read it to them over the phone so i've done a few readbacks and you find with that that people you know it's just reassuring them really they, ne they never really change anything it's just reassuring them um the only time i've kind of ever done it myself i suppose is if it's been something quite technical um particularly like a medical thing that I'm not sure of and I'll go back to the expert just with their quotes just to clarify that I've got it right um yeah I was gonna say actually there have been um circumstances in the past where I might have had an interviewee maybe an expert who's been very nervous hmm. or you know they just needed that extra kind of bit of reassurance or they felt they really didn't want me to kind of misunderstand what they were saying in those circumstances, based on a kind of individual case by case basis, I might send just their quotes, like not yeah. the full bit, but just their comment, if I feel that's going to kind of <laughs> help that process. Um, but it, they don't change it. I, no, I and I mean, the, the only time I've really done it is, again, when I've been dealing with people abroad, and it might be that English is not their first language, so it, it may be a bit broken. So I actually need to go back and kind of clarify, you know, to get make sure that it is as they intended um, and it's accurate in that sense as well. Um, but it's certainly not the default um, position no. to do that. 
Gavin, would you agree with what we've said, have anything to add to that? What Lily said is the right approach for young journalists is uh, to go to your publication and see what the policy is, and then you use that as your guideline. Your company, if you work for a company, will have a policy. That policy will be, no, we don't give copy approval. So I think some of the things that um, you and Lily have been talking about there, MRR, I, I would say fall into the realm of fact-checking, you know, getting things accurate, getting them right, making sure there's no uh, equivocation or, or, or inaccuracy. I think there are times when if you're dealing with a member of the public or there's a certain situation that's a bit sensitive and those people may just be a little bit worried that what they've said will come across wrong, I think you could make some uh, exceptions for giving people back the quotes that you're planning to use. Um, but the problem with that is people very much tend to react badly to hearing their quotes or reading their quotes. Like the amount of times as a journalist, you'll ask someone a question, they'll give you an answer and there was no issue with it at all. Then you'll publish that story and then suddenly someone reacts against, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. And it's, I have it recorded. And people react badly to that sort of thing. So it's almost as if as soon as you start to give a little bit of copy approval, you're prizing open the door and, and, and people really want to push it all the way open then. And it can really be a bar to publishing at even the most basic level. So that's the kind of the practical reason for that. My, my tendency would be to say, no, we, we don't do copy approval because if you're waiting for one person to agree to something, or they don't get back to you for a day, they'll hold you up. But you could be waiting for four people to get back to you. If you give copy approval to one party in the story, why not to all party in the story? So it becomes really difficult. And so Yeah, and from a practical point of view, my copy is often edited after I've submitted it without me seeing a draft all the time of, you know, of what that editing looks like. I mean, it's just, I'm, I, I often quite, ex you know, have to explain to people that, you know, the, there is a process that, you know, goes on and we kind of have to stick to you. Neve, have you had any experience of this? Um, as I think we've learned, my specialism isn't in print or writing, um, but I do write and I have done um, interviews with people before, which always terrifies me slightly because it's it feels like more of one of those grown-up things to be doing with journalism is actually like, you know, doing proper interviews with people. But I think the hope is that you, that people will put their trust in you as a journalist and that you're going to do the very best I think we all get painted with the idea that we we just publish our own opinions you know I've had comments like that on my TikTok before being like Journal journalism is awful because all you do is post your own opinions you know it's, it's never a balanced view or anything like that but no real journalist sets out to do anything like that so um, I think you know you just hope that you're trusted and I think it's really difficult for young journalists because I think we see editors as like really big scary people um but it's more about keeping that kind of conversation open with them and being able to say to them and going to them for reassurance as we've said you know because I think sometimes young journals don't want to do that because you don't want to kind of look like you don't really know what you're doing no one wants to like they don't know what they're doing um especially if it's like a first piece of something that you've done um but yeah I mean there's I don't think I've ever had an experience in writing. I have, ex you know, there are times when I will make videos and stuff and you've kind of, you know, we the process we have for journey resources, like we have a process. So I might have an idea, but actually everybody else might add to it and they might not like it. And so I don't have a writing experience, but um, I do, I think you, when you are in the position of 
being that editor or something, you really understand the kind of channels and process. Yeah, and it's that point you say of like not being afraid to ask the question, like just if in doubt, ask. And that's not showing weakness in any way. It's it's taking the initiative to find out mm. what the proper process is. Um, and that that's, can only be a good thing. Brilliant. Okay, well, I think it's time to bring this episode to a close. So thank you so much to Neve and Gavin for coming on and cluing us up on TikTok. That has actually been really helpful. It has, yes. Uh, If you want to know more about us, including our newsletter, then head to freelancingforjournalists.com where you can find out all you need to know um, and everything you need to know about Journalism Work Experience Initiative if you're interested in taking part in that. Also, you can come along and follow us on Twitter where we are at Freelancing4. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Jerno. And you can head over to Facebook and join our Freelancing for Journalists community if you haven't already. And you can also hunt us out on Instagram. And you never know, we may even pop up on TikTok. One day. Um, If you feel like giving us a thumbs up, uh, a five-star rating perhaps, or a review on the podcast, we'd love to hear your feedback and that helps others find us as well. And once again, thank you very much to our producer, Richard Wilson, who sorts out any edits for us. So this is the end of series four, um, but do watch out for the Northern Natter dual cast that we mentioned next week. And we will be back in a couple of months for series five. Bye for now. Goodbye.